my back hurts. My neck hurts. Everything hurts so much. Hmm. Trying to think of what I want to say. All right, let's run it. I have my opinions on this manga that I have just caught up to about two hours ago, three hours ago. Uh, did you have a rough time reading it? No, no, it was it was the easiest read I've ever, I've ever read. It took me. It was so quick. I read like thirty eight chapters yesterday, and I read the rest today. Okay, okay. It was oh. easy because I had fun, but I have my qualms. As with any form of media. Also, I finished Parasite. We should do Parasite. Parasite was an interesting show. Interesting, I, very interesting I'll, show. I'll rewatch it again. Okay, you, you can start now. Alright. So, like, Nikhil just read a record of Ragnarok. It took him two days. He it was a quick read. Um, I think the anime, we're going we're gonna to be doing a manga probably, but I think maybe, well, I mean, we'll decide if we want to like cover the entire fucking season one that's out on Netflix recently, dropped in June 20 or some, some, sometime around there. Last week. Really somewhere. Last week, yeah. yeah. We were excited about it, but I heard that Twitter like completely decimated it for its quality, which I thought not even Not even rude. Twitter. You go on Reddit. You go on Twitter. Just you just look up reviews. It was just bad. It was overall just bad. Oh, I don't even know what was bad about it. I might like watch it afterwards and like think maybe they're just like maybe they're just super like manga fan, right? Because like the art in the manga is like something else without a doubt. The lighting too. The art in the manga is really good. <laughs> it's crazy good. Uh, it, was, uh, it kept me going. It kept me going. Yeah, I think before we. We should talk about the the um the creative work behind it, right? It's like it has two authors and then it has one artist. So the artist is named Aju Kichika, which um I don't know anything anything else that they they've actually done like firsthand, but they do they have like actually drawn some other stuff, so that's pretty cool. But this is like I don't let me think. So like they have a few. I mean, I know they have like one called Shin Junjo Seki, which is like a sequel to another one. But they're not the original authors of the one before that one. That was really interesting. But like when I was reading it, the artwork reminded me a lot of Helsing. So it's really interesting that like the studio then ended up adapting and was the studio that made Helsing Ultimate. Probably not with the same people or the same team that was involved with the Helsing Ultimate like franchise. But you know, I, I thought that was cool because of the expressions. The expressions and in particular the expressions that I Brunhild makes, which I personally love. It's like some, one of my favorite characters. Brunhild being the uh, the main Valkyrie, the the female, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah. I I just I just okay. So heads up, uh, I, at the time of recording, I actually just finished the manga like two three hours ago. So pretty much everything is still in my head. I I remember all of it. Yeah, God, I I really like her art. She's um like the Arthur Brunhild uh, and the you know the artists in general. I think they're they're great. The lighting, for example, is freaking phenomenal. I don't know how they do it, but it really makes it feel in some of the f- freaking scenes that, like, the characters, you can actually, it feels like the sunlight is just beaming right on them. I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Especially with the gods. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just good stuff. Art's ph- phenomenal. But I really think that the fact that it has two authors, Fukutakumi and then Umemura Shinya, says a lot about, like, how the franchise works. And, like, that it's been, it's been going on since, like, 2017, right? It started in 2017, 
and it's been what like 20 2021 it's like four years now right so you you finish it in like two days like it's consistently been good quality i think the storytelling itself is like just fun in general um the themes and theme it's like stuck together by theme and i don't know you mentioned that you were like kind of iffy about like the plot quote-unquote plot and i think we can like talk more about that later but right now we should probably like try to get the um the groundwork of what this series is uh, and I suppose we've gone really deep into it, but we haven't actually explained what the premise of the um of the of Record Ragnarok is. So I guess I'll let I'll let you take care of that. Sure. Um. Okay. So I mean, it's a pretty bare bones premise. I think. Uh, you kind of get thrown into it pretty much immediately. The gods are deciding whether to kill or eradicate the human race or not, and they're like, this. Okay. Before I continue, as usual, as with all our episodes. Huge spoiler warning. If you have not read it, I would recommend reading it and then coming back to the episode. If you don't care or just want to know before you enter, um, if you want to read it or if you want to watch it, um, feel free to stick around. We'd love to have you. But as usual, and this goes for every one of our episodes, we'd love it if you guys would watch it or consume the media in some way, whether you read it or watch it, and then come and listen to our podcast. I think it would provide more entertainment i i do want to mention that the media biz media has like picked up the actual mango for publication serialization over here in the west that will be coming in in early 2022 for physical tonka bonds if you want to buy it i will be per, you know setting up my pre-order as soon as possible and if you want a digital you know legal digital it's going to be uh, i think winter or fall of this year so you know that's really exciting this is one of the first ones that you know the anime comes before the mango at least from recent memory, so that's really cool. Please support the official release. Uh, that, that that would be great if you're interested in it. So yeah, continue, Nico. Okay, awesome. So anyway, so to start, uh, first chapter in the first yeah in the first chapter, we see that the gods are deciding whether to kill all the human race or not. They're all kind of like debating what to do, and then all the gods kind of like, and by gods I mean like all gods in the realm of like. Everywhere from like Zeus to like Shiva, you have everything from like every single like mythos and region, which is kind of interesting. I actually like that aspect a lot. And they decide whether to eradicate the human race or not. They decide, yes, let's eradicate the human race. But then the Valkyrie, uh, that Francisco you mentioned earlier, Brunhild, she like, she's like, wait, hold up. Like, I have a proposition called Ragnarok. And like, she's like, oh, it'll be like a fight to the death. And it's like about seven matches, I believe. What were the first two seven wins? Um, and currently the manga is still continuing. So right now we are on the first, second, third, fourth. I think we're on the fifth match. I think it's six technically. Hey. Six. Okay, yeah, six. Yeah. But then there's been like some things that have been like thrown for loops and whatnot that you'll see as you read the manga. I don't want to give too much away. But yeah, I mean that the that's the basis, and it's just like it's all fighting. Think of uh, if you if you guys are familiar with uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, pretty much think of the Dark Tournament arc. Honestly, this is what like literally reminded me of. This is Tournament arc, the anime. Yes, it is. Like if you think of the Dark Tournament arc condensed into like one thing, and that is the only thing that is focused on, everything else is irrelevant. That is what this manga is. So it's very action heavy. It's really like fun fast paced and it is entertaining uh when i went into it i do want to preface that i did expect a little more 
it's weird because like I enjoyed it, but at the same time I wanted more, so I was a little disappointed. But I, I think I personally think that you should go into this with the feeling of like not expecting too much, but going into it just to have fun. And I think that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's it doesn't make anything worse. It, if anything, it makes it perfectly acceptable. And so uh, for me personally, I wish I kind of went into it with that mentality. I will also preface by saying I've been watching a lot of things with a lot of like analytical kind of focus or consuming a lot of things with a lot of analytical focus. For example, I recently finished watching Parasite and I recently I'm almost done with Tokyo Ghoul. There's a lot of like analysis to be done in both of those like medias. So like I've been I'm I'm kind of coming into this with a with that kind of mentality, which I don't think is correct. I think this is truly a manga where you want to go into it with just being like, I'm literally reading this to have fun, and I think that's what makes this manga really fun to read and it's really really digestible and easy. Obviously, I think with any media, there's the notion of if you dive deeper, you'll find stuff and. Well, I think that's true to some extent in this, it, I also feel like it really isn't. I feel like I, if I dug deep into it, I don't know how much I would find. I really just enjoyed it for what it was and I had fun for it. I have fun with it for what it was. And so that's, that to me, that's really what it was in the embodiment of what the manga was. Um, and that was like the, that was kind of the first episode. That's kind of the premise chronicle of the, of the entire thing. But yeah. Gods versus humans, effectively. It gets the entire like seven million years of, uh, it gets the entire history of humanity, and uh, there's a lot of cool things. Like the premise itself is really interesting. I think this is a good time to like mention how similar it might be to something like the Fate franchise, in particular Fate Zero, right? Because mm-hmm. you see, you see the similarities, right? Oh, I... Yeah. There's a lot of things that an author can do, given the entire history of human and like all these different pantheons, and they can choose a lot of variations of what they might be, you know, adapted, get get some classical reception, and just like Fate Zero, take these various characters and like, you know, characterize them, a character or whatever, and these amazing historical figures, and then just write how would they interact with one another. In their foils with other gods and see what happens. And I think similar to Fate Zero, if you were going into the series for me, like for me, for example, my I reread it and like I'm we're being introduced to all different locations. For example, China with the first battle being Lubo versus um Thor, right? I mean lots of the West already know mm-hmm. Thor because of probably the cinematic universe, right? But if you're like a young person or whatever yep. and you're like you're going into this, you might not even you probably don't know who Lubu is. I mean, Kingdom itself. Uh, if you, I only know Lubo because of Kingdom, which is the manga, which is a historical piece similar to Vagabond, similar to Vinland Saga, right? These like these are the three main mangas that are like mentioned whenever you talk about historical pieces. These are great stories, and thanks to Record of Ragnarok, I I hope that because like I mean, if you don't know the character, but you might know Thor, for example, you'd be interested to like look more into them, right? And of course, like this, it's not historically accurate, like like Vagabond or Vinland Saga or Kingdom is, but that that's not doesn't really matter for what it's trying to do. I think um, mm-hmm. I think a good way of putting it is like I remember seeing this quote all the time in like freaking high school. It's like not every story is true, but there's truth in every story. It's a pretty good aspects, and like fiction in general is like the combination. Or like finding the like mixture between like pure fact and then pure imagination, and just like being able to do what you can with these two poles, which is the definition of fiction, in my opinion. Storytelling is all about striking that balance between those two things, and that's exactly what's going on in, like, Record of Ragnarok. 
Mm-hmm. So I think um, we should mention that like the anime, I believe, covers three fights, right? And that's only about 19 chapters, and I believe it ends at chapter 19, and that was released during... So that's the Thor fight, the Poseidon fight, and the Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I, wait, I don't think the anime covers Jack the Ripper. Oh, I don't think, yeah, wait, wait, what's before Jack? There was before, one before Jack, Jack was um, the Greatest Loser versus, the, versus Poseidon. That was Poseidon. And... That was Poseidon. Oh, Zeus. Zeus and Adam. That was the second one. And then Poseidon was the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, three fights, right? And the chapter for the last fight for chapter 19, I believe, it, it, it was released, like, July 25th, 2019. So, not too long ago, but at the same time, very long ago, because, you know, 2020 was a year. Um, but and it's it's like about four volumes ish. If anyone was curious, but like I, I believe that's like good amount for the groundwork. Um, mm-hmm. that, should, that should be pretty good for now. All right, thank you. So I think now that we covered the premise, something I wanted to start talking about are the characters because I think this was something that Francisco and I were discussing earlier today as well, where um, it really does feel like the show, while it doesn't really have like a set premise or sorry manga, I read the manga maybe. But I think in a larger extension yeah. show as well, doesn't have like a set premise um, per se. But the premise is done through the characters. I want to talk about the characters and the character development, but more so the characters and the aspect of like how this manga chooses to portray the characters versus like choosing to prioritize plot or plot devices. I think that's a really interesting um, kind of like distinction because I feel like in a lot of media. And I think this goes for both East and Western media. So I'm talking about, I'm generalizing like anime and cartoons and like general shows. Um, A lot of them usually choose to prioritize a plot of sorts, right? Whether it be through an episode or whether it be through an arc or chapters in like a book, volume, comic, manga, whatever, right? So there's usually an overarching arc and the characters kind of follow that narrative to some extent, but then there's character development within that narrative. And through that, the character has, like, this growth and this potential and whatnot. In Record of Ragnarok, it takes that and flips it on its head. And what I mean by that is the plot and the plot devices and the narrative do not matter. What matters are the characters. And, like, the characters kind of drive the force of the manga. So you become invested in each of these characters to some degree. And you're like, oh, you're actually, like, like... In, in a weird way, like, yeah, you're probably rooting for the humans, but then there are times where you're rooting for the gods or you're rooting for, like, the god side, and you're like, oh, like, I kind of, like, yeah, I, like, I can see myself in this character. And, like, I think I think that's what makes Riker of Ragnarok kind of unique in terms of uh, the manga I've personally consumed in Red or, like, the media I've consumed in Red. It is a very character show. And I'm not saying it's very character-driven. I think that's very different. Um, a character driven implies that there is a plot in a narrative that's driving the character to become or grow, right? I feel like these characters have grown already. What we see as, as their past is their character growth. What we see in their present is who they are. So we see them for what they are. We see them at face value. So I think that's kind of, that, that's, that's why I say it's, it's a very unique aspect, I think, in terms of like media. Because I, I know very, I don't even, I can't, like, off the top of my head, it's hard for me to name a show that does that really well, or, like, any manga or anything that does that really well. 
So it's it's I feel like it's a very kind of new and unique concept where we're where we're kind of just being thrown into the fray here, and we're learning about the characters as we go, but the plot and the and the and all of that is literally irrelevant. The characters are what matter, right? The characters make up what's happening. So I feel like it's a it's kind of a unique experience for me. And so when I first started reading it, I was actually kind of confused. I was like, "What the hell is happening? Like, I don't I don't get it." There's like no like there's a plot, but it was super fast paced and super confusing. And I'm like, "Dude, this plot makes no sense." But then you start then they start fighting, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, like the plot literally doesn't matter. The fights and who they are and who they were matter more." the plot itself and like how the because the plot is not driving the characters the characters are driving the plot so i think again a very unique kind of flip on its head kind of narrative here with record of ragnarok which um might not be for everyone honestly it genuinely might not be for everyone because it, it does get a little frustrating and it did for me when i first started reading it i was slightly frustrated because i was like like what like i want to know what's happening like i i like it felt like a lot was being thrown at you at once and admittedly there's so much in the first 10 chapters you're pretty much like railed like you have like a million information a million people to keep track of and you're like what is going on but then you kind of realize that like none of that matters what matters is what's happening on that battlefield at that moment literally no one else matters so like when it goes to the character backstory and stuff then you learn more about the characters. And then you're like, okay, I can sympathize with this character. And then you go to present day. So you just focus on the characters on that battlefield. No one else matters. And so I think approaching it in that way helped me kind of be like, okay, like I kind of enjoy this now. Like this is fun. This is enjoyable. Like I'm not as frustrated as I was when I first started watching it or reading it. So I think that's an important point to note. But um I think it's really important to take that into consideration, I think, when reading and consuming this specific manga, at least for me, because I tend to love character-driven narratives, and I tend to love, love, love it when the plot is so good to the point where the, you can see that character growth and, like, again, character-driven narratives, right? And this show took that and just, like, was like, nope, you're going to do it the other way around. And, like, so that was new to me. It was something I wasn't used to. So definitely wanted to point that out um, when when starting to discuss some of the characters. I love how you actually notice that, that because in most of in most storytelling in general, right, the setting, uh, this notion of like content, which is like the setting and stuff, like where it takes place, and Re- regular Ragnarok takes place almost like in this like in this like bubble dimension where the history of humanity has already taken place. And now you're taking these characters who have passed away and are pretty much just fulfilled versions of themselves, and you're just putting them down there, right? Because what you often, what you were just talking about, like, and another way of talking about it is like when character growth development happens, it's like characters begin like with this lie they believe, and then eventually they like end up learning like what they morally need to learn, and not learn, but like develop as people to become a more fulfilled individual. Either negative, they can go through negative character arcs, flat characters, or like positive characters which is generally the one we're like more used to right when they become better versions of themselves and it's it, you you make a great point that it's like it is almost a flip of like the traditional storytelling right we get people who are dead they're fulfilled and we put them there because thematically and like the, the one of like you know themes in general is like the moral argument of the story right more argument of the story is like what defines humanity and what defines gods these imagined figments of our imagination that are meant to represent like all that is good and all that is great and that we could maybe achieve right but here we're trying to see like 
which I mean, and like Brunhild actually makes some pretty good like comments about this. It's like I think in one of the first chapters, it's like we see one of the people on the stands, right? Because like there's a bunch of stands, and like it's like pretty much all of humanity is watching what's happening in the battlefield, and then like in the other side, it's like all of the gods, demigods, or whatever is actually watching. And Brunhild mentions like, one of the people praying. It's like you better stop praying right now because what you're praying is exactly what we we're going to have to defeat. It's like this notion that humans can get can go beyond gods, which is like very amazing and really exciting premise in general. But it's great that the setting is able to provide the authors the opportunity to you know you know write these kind of characters, people who are fulfilled, people who are finished, and see how their life on Earth like impacted them. And that's and that's probably why that's one of the reasons why you're thinking ah, I'm not too sure if I'm like into this right because you like seeing that progression, you like seeing them grow, and I think overall it's really fun to see things in this perspective because it, it lets you know that the authors understand storytelling like fundamentally and they're really good at this like the two the duo team and i think um that's what that's one of the reasons why this this the like manga is like such a success and it, it really resonates with like western audience i feel it would allow more than like eastern people and that's probably one of the reasons why netflix actually decided to pick it up because they felt that this would be a really easy one-to-one -one transition at least for how, like, mm. you know, the Western folks, like, see animation or, or see, like, enjoyment in general. And, it, yeah. Yeah. So it was great that you're, like, you were able to, like, pick that up. And, like, that's, like, one of the reasons why you might have not enjoyed it. But I think it's, like, really smart on, like, the setting aspect and, like, how the setting, like, defines, like, the choices or the characters or, like, the set pieces for the creative team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's, like, all great in general. Um but like something that we can of course mention is like the religious connotation that goes into it because like you know the more argument in itself is like you know humanity versus gods and what that actually means and what that means for the authors and the people in the past but also like what it means for other religions and history and culture and i think like if you know history you would like have like an it's 50 it might be 50/50 you might be like oh this is not historically accurate but if you understand like you know, the authors wants to use these historical figures to, like, say something or you know, say their message or, like, oh, you know, what they believe in. It's a, uh, you know, use them as, like, um, uh, like li uh, li literary, literary devices. <laughs> yeah. That's powerful in its own way. Like, you have a ton of pantheons, famous historical figures, real or not, whatever. And, you know, if you're into history or somewhat, if, like, you can learn more about the different cultures of humanity. And it's, like, really exciting because, hey, there's a lot of cool things all over the entire globe that I might not know about. But this is giving an opportunity for other people to learn about them and maybe look into them. And maybe eventually they get really inspired by stories and they just go full, full, full dive. That's great. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the cool things about it. While someone who like actively reads like a lot of religious philosophy and stuff i did find it interesting that they chose to bring up all these different religions and whatnot um while yes it wasn't accurate like i don't think any of them were accurate um and if i'm not gonna lie that frustrated me a little bit because as someone who knows the um backstory of like most of the characters that were introduced and like more so the stories around them and why they're so important within a religious a more religious sense i i'm not gonna lie i was a little peeved but at the same time like i do hope and i think it did do a really good job of introducing people especially western audience to a lot of these like eastern 
characters that a lot of people might not know about. So, I mean, most people know about like Zeus, Thor, Odin, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people don't know Shiva. Uh, they, a lot of people don't know Lu Bu. A lot of people don't know like the samurais. Like th- that was really cool. And I'm, I'm an, or, or Raiden. Uh, Raiden was one. Um, Shiva, I mean, Shiva is obviously a big one for me personally. And so like, I'm glad that they were introduced in a way that was kind of easily consumable to a Western audience because a lot of people might not know that much about yeah. them. So I thought that was kind of dope. Yeah, you're always, whenever you use like really religious figures, like it's like a double-edged sword almost. You got to be really delicate in how you like portray them because it's kind of like, it can piss people off sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I will not lie. I was a little peeved. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, I, I, I think what's important to understand is that like, from a creative standpoint, everything they did, like they did nothing wrong. It was fine in a creative standpoint. I do think, though, it would have been cooler if they actually used a more accurate rendition of each of these characters. It was interesting to see how they incorporated the background into their powers, especially for the gods, and how they like made those like kind of like a part of them and their powers and like how they fight. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean. I think we're probably only going to like really like we're going to be talking about like the three main fights that were like animated, but I think we won't talk about the rest. Oh, oh, that's that's I will say, though, um, my favorite fight and my favorite character in the entire manga was Jack the Ripper, without a doubt, without a doubt. That arc had me like, whoa, first of all, the art was nuts. The art, like, I think that artwork in that specific arc was so good. It was it blew me away. Second of all, the story was insane. Like I think like I honestly want more of that because I think and I've been reading a lot of Nietzsche recently. I'm I'm go- reading through uh Thus Spoke Zarathustra and um in the, in the first thing that he says in the book and he, like each verse that Zarathustra, Zarathustra speaks is pertaining to God, right? And this idea of God and like how like um he just literally starts off the book by saying like god is dead and then he like goes off of that when i was reading the jack the ripper arc i actually thought of that so much i was like wow like and then the ending when uh jack was walking back and then um everyone started throwing things at him because hercules is all noble and then jack was like he he just like put his hands up and he just took it that was the most human a human could be you know what i mean i think jack the ripper yeah like yeah, of course he's a terrible person. But I mean, like in the manga specifically, yes, he was an all aw- he was an awful person. But then you see, like, it's so weird. But you sympathize with him. You know what I mean? Like you're like, that's that's humanity in like a nutshell. He's selfish. He's innately selfish. He desires destruction <laughs> in a way. Just des- desires destruction. But more so, I think he's someone who's like trying to find his purpose and place in the world. At the end, Hercules was like, yeah, like, my goal is to save you, like, people like you. And, like, I don't know, I thought that was kind of, like, special because, like, Hercules embodied what humanity's perception of God is. And then Jack the Ripper personified what humanity is, right? I I love that arc. That is my favorite fight and my favorite arc in the month, without a doubt. Like, literally without a doubt. I think the first three arcs were, like, like, I, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, I... I wasn't a huge fan of the Zeus one. Like Zeus and Adam were cool, not the best. Poseidon was kind of dope. 
But oh my god, the Jack the Ripper Hercules fight! Like I wish this guy animated was so good. So who knows? Season two, maybe. That's that's funny. A lot of people were actually peeved that that one wasn't animated because that is up there with one of their favorite fights. I um, it's yeah, it's pretty good. I had an issue with Jack the Ripper being like, "How is this guy? He's nothing." Because you know, compared to the other three figures, right? He's like the most human, like you mentioned, and like that also means he's also to me I was like, "There's no way this guy can even put up a fight," and. Yeah, it's just, it was difficult for me to be like, I can't believe Jack the Ripper is the person they chose for the quote-unquote serial killer to represent humanity. And I'm like, ah, he's just overinflated serial killer. He only killed like four people, but I think it goes more into the fact that he is like one of the first recorded serial killers. Like when you think of a serial killer, what you think is Jack the Ripper from like London. And it's like, how could someone like this exist, right? And that's when you realize, because mm-hmm. before that, it was like, Instead of serial killers, they were like co- conquerors, like Lubo. He killed tons of people. But people don't look at Lubo and think, yeah, he's a serial killer. Even though, like, by definition, yeah, he's a, he's a serial killer. But Jack the Ripper represents something of the urban age that is now, like, looked down in heinous acts in, in contrast to what Lubo was. Like, it was mentioned that Lubo was, like, in, like, being the first fight, right? Lubo represented the most um, savage or... Or like a very violent figure. Uh probably more dangerous. Than, yeah, it is more dangerous than like Jack the Ripper. But Jack the Ripper represented something ominous within humanity that still exists. And I had a difficult time thinking that he could even match up a fight. But eventually, after I got past that, I realized, man, this is a really good fight for what the characters are to each other, like the foils. Something like it goes back to the setting, right? A tournament arc one v one. Like, what do these people represent, and how do they work with one another? Which is really cool. I think we'll go more into that in the Kojiro fight, personally. Yeah, go on. I think that, actually, I think that fight was what really cemented that, you know? And I feel like it carried over to the next fight and the next fight. Because, like, that fight, I don't know. I th- I just think it was special, man. Like, it was, there was a lot, a lot of it. I feel like Jack the Ripper, like, with what Hercules said, and, like, what I think there was a moment in the crowd when they were like, oh, wow, like, this like the gods were like this is why we want to save humanity like after looking at Jack the Ripper and I was like like damn like you think about it current humanity is exactly like that like what's the difference and then you learn more about Jack the Ripper like the reason why he became what he became but also like like why he struggled with what he did and you're like wow like that's the most human it could possibly get he just didn't know what like he didn't know himself he was confused he was alone he was scared he had fear and he used he quite literally weaponized fear right and so i think that 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 portion was like sick personally like i saw that fight and i was like i was blown away i was like this is this is what i was expecting so <laughs> i wanted more of that but yeah it, i don't know i just think that fight is the best fight without a doubt in my just really good um honestly they could they could have done anyone other than jack Ripper. Probably would have been fine. Same with Hercules. But the way they chose to cover their backstories was so important. Technically, Hercules was actually a terrible person. Um, like He was a terrible person. So I, th- I thought it was hilarious that they chose to match up like two pretty much bad people. It's, it's how they chose again, right? Like I think this goes back to an earlier comment. My earlier tangent. Um, how the, the only two people that matter in the entirety of the manga at any given point are the two people on that field. 
And then how they choose to portray their story is how we we as the audience choose to interpret them. And that's the driving force of how we choose to interpret the characters, mm-hmm. subsequently the plot. They wrote their stories very interestingly. I think they were the most interesting of all of them. Yeah. So. A lot of people love Jack the Ripper fight. I think it was really interesting that the creators or authors, the creative team, decided to put this one on the fourth and make it, you know, uh, I guess we'll go into it. Because before that, it was a lot of like, yeah, we're really proud to be human, right? You go from like Lubo, who was who showed the audience, hey, humans can actually match up to gods and like get close to beating them. We have a chance, right? And then it went to Adam. And thematically, I mean, we're going to that more. It's like Adam was like the first human, the person who's closest to the gods. And he's like, and you know, it's a, I, I like the Adam one, but I am, you know, I come from a Christianity background. So it was like interesting to see like what this man is and like what the representative. And then the third one is Kojiro, right? Who and historically probably didn't exist and was probably made by uh, Musashi Masaki just like 150 years later. Um, but it's, it's just cool. I mean, but still, like, it's just like these three fights in the beginning were just like to get, hey, humans are pretty freaking great. Look at what they can achieve. They can like match the gods with their own like struggle, right? And then you get the fight numero cuatro and you're like, never mind, humans kind of freaking suck. It's like, it's very smart that the way that, you know, they like structured these fights to get us to be really proud of mm-hmm. our, our history and then remember, we're not, you know what, never mind. Never mind. Maybe maybe the gods are right. Because like, don't you don't you like look around sometimes and think, man, there really is too many of us humans. Maybe maybe Thanos was right, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's just really fun. Also, if you're a history buff, it's just really fun to see like these historical figures, like grander than life, just on the freaking stage. It's 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 phenomenal. Oh yeah, that's. I think that's what makes it really fun. I think. I mean, you don't even need to be a history buff. For someone who enjoys, like, for me personally, enjoys, like, religious philosophy, and, like, I've been reading a lot of these, like, religious texts, and then, like, you know, seeing these gods, it's always super interesting. Yeah. Um, And how they choose to address each other and whatnot. Yeah. I guess we can, like, talk about Lubo versus Thor. You know, out of every character, like, they actually have a Lubo spinoff for Record of Ragnarok that they're writing. Just want to put that out there. Lubu, yeah, Lubu specifically. They have his because I don't know why they just have a spinoff for him. I would have actually loved like a Jack the Ripper spinoff. Yeah, but I, eh, like Lubu is cool. I was never like super super into Lubu. Um, I'm I was familiar with Lubu in like Chinese, Chinese warriors because I used to play video game when I was in elementary school. I had them, and so I would like look them up and like, oh, this is a great dude pretty interesting but um i mean they're cool don't get me wrong i just like like based on the characters that we've been introduced to i feel like jack the ripper is the strongest and like he's the most interesting so we have to give credit for what lubo did for the series like because you know he was he's the first fighter for humanity's side versus Mm. thor oh yeah oh yeah it just sets up the stage for what the series is about. And then, you know, following the next stage, it's like when they introduce Adam, we learn that the creative team isn't just limiting this to people who, because we know 100% that Lubo existed, like in history, for sure. He was an actual human. But Adam, guaranteed, mm-hmm. is not a real person <laughs> at all. Yeah, the only the only person on humanity side not count, actually, no, the only person on humanity side that is not real, but probably wasn't real, well, it wasn't real. Yeah, Adam. Because uh, I don't think Adam was no, real. Me neither. But um, 
but uh, everyone else were like actual beings, which is kind of cool. Uh, I actually really like that aspect. Uh, Sasaki Kojiro, by the way, it might not have been a real person. I think probably was made up for a story for the Masaki Mishimoto, the number one swordsman. Uh, his yeah. Oh, the yeah, that guy, guy wasn't real. That's why um, they, the he was he was based off of like a few samurais, I think, or like a few different samurais from what I can understand. Uh, I looked into it. I was yeah. really curious. See, yeah. Um, Raiden Raiden was also interesting. Um, Raiden was an actual like sumo wrestler. Like they portrayed him as this playboy, but he was actually the opposite. Apparently, <laughs> he was just really like big. <laughs> he was a big, a boy. big boy. Raiden's <laughs> um, fight number five, by the way. Uh, but. They were. He was very. He was very famous. He he fought a lot, won yeah. a lot. So. Um. The, although I will admit that the fight versus Lubo versus Thor. I mean, the fight with Lubo versus Thor made me want to like finally get to read Kingdom, for example. Kingdom, the mm-hmm. historical manga that like takes place during the period of Lubo with the three kingdoms of China like went up against each other. Super famous story. Like not not just story, but like actual mm-hmm. historical event for Chinese history. And probably the entire fucking freaking globe, if we're being honest, like the repercussions of that, because it's like from Euro Asia, it's like the entire continent, right? Their largest continent on the planet, and it's just, it's just great. I made me want to like read the historical manga. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it's similar to Den Saga, it's similar to Vagabond. Um, do you know Vagabond, by the way? I do. Okay, know Vagabond. So, like, you know, that's the story of Musaki Mishamuro. From it's from, it's from the author. Mm-hmm. It's penned by the author that made Slam Dunk, and and like another one, mm-hmm. another basketball. Uh, manga that I also want to read. But like although I have to put it out there for anyone who's like interested in Vagabond, Vagabond is one of the greats. Like whenever you're talking about like mangas you should read, it's like Vagabond, Berserk, Kingdom, Bin and Saga, these like names to pop up. But the thing with Vagabond in contrast was like some of the other ones, right? And, and like for the late great Miro who passed away recently. Um, you know, with Berserk people are saying it was like it's always in hiatus, right? With Vagabond, the creator, like the pen the author, um kinda of lost his passion for the series. Like he, there's a good amount of content mm-hmm. out there. Like, yeah, you can read it and you can enjoy it. And technically, because it's being adapted from a light novel, or not a light novel, from an actual novel, after the manga finishes, you can just read novel for the rest of it because it's like a, it's a biography on a person that existed already. So it's finished, but mm-hmm. the manga probably won't finish, as far as I'm aware, because he's just like not into it anymore. Mm-hmm. So just putting that out there for anyone. Yeah. Like I. Yeah, I mean, we can't blame him. Like, it's he's done good work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right? I guess um, well, I guess that should be enough for like the first fight. Next, we can probably move on to like Adam versus. I know we mentioned that this is like you know the creators like making sure that the you know the us the audience understands like what the roster is because it was actually in, like fight number two that we learned the entire roster for the record of Ragnarok fight, and um, Nikola Tesla is on there, which is weird, but you know. That's a thing. <laughs> some, of the, some of the people that were on there were so, kind of like, I was like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, they're like, why are yeah. you here? Yeah, I was kind of confused. Yeah, if you want to like know what the roster is, I guess we, I guess we can look it up. Do you remember any other from the roster? Because that was also another interesting... like. I remember the gods. It was like Odin, Shiva, Thor, Poseidon, Zeus, Hermes, Ares... Um, Rasputin was in there. Rasputin, some some Japanese one. Um, am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? Uh, there's like four or five more, and I can't. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a good amount. The authors didn't need to just 
tell us this is the people that are going to fight. They could have just kept that information hidden and had like a bunch of the fan bases think, oh, who's going to come up next, right? And they just said, nah, we're just going to tell you. Which was a, it's a good mm-hmm. twist, if I'm being honest. All right. Yeah. Let me see. So yeah, you said, yeah, there's a few of these folks that I don't know, and I'm not trying to. Oh, there's one that I really do like, Sojika Okita. That's someone from the Shinzengumi, and I only know that because of Intama, because <laughs> it's a character <laughs> in Intama. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Loki's gonna fight. I guess we can. All right. Oh, Loki's gonna fight. Loki's a big one. Loki's. He's like the running commentary guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Him and like Brunhild. Yeah. There's a bunch of cool characters in this one for sure. Like we're probably like not gonna touch on every character. Um, but what do you want to talk about Adam and Zeus? And like I wanna hear like what didn't you enjoy about it? Because like when people talk about like fights that are good, they also mention Adam and Zeus being one of the good ones. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad fight. I just like I I thought it was interesting. I think that was actually the fight that like really made me invest in the manga. I just like uh like compared to like Jack the Ripper, I just felt like it wasn't as like good. And same with the Poseidon fight, I thought I thought the Poseidon fight was like cooler. Um, I thought the Adam fight was good. It was also very like I think it was kind of expected. You know what I mean? The fact that had Adam won, who is a who is the human who's closest to the gods, it would feed the purpose of the of like humanity winning the entire tournament, right? Right, and then like Zeus was like the head person, so like yeah. if Zeus were to die, this whole thing would have been wasted. You knew from the get go, at least me personally, that Adam was going to die. Like it was literally a given. <laughs> it was just more of the fact that like I, I think that kind of dampened it, damped it out. Like it, it didn't make me as excited for it, you know. Like I felt like for Jack the Ripper and uh, Hercules, and even to some large degree um, in Poseidon's fight. You didn't really know who was gonna win um, until the ending. Um, even even for Poseidon, I was so surprised Poseidon lost. Really? So they they kind of had that element going for them, but at the same time, like yeah. I think for a similar reason for like uh, thematically why Adam needed to lose on fight number two is a, another reason why I kind of understood who's gonna win number three, mostly because of their epithets. And well, we'll get into that later. But yeah. I, I mean, you gotta admit like what Adam did for humanity was something else. Like, he gave them the will to fight. I think it's, like, how Brunhild put it down there. And, like, the reason for him fighting was also really sweet. Like, you can't hate a guy for, like, why he's fighting. Even though the... Yeah, yeah to protect his children. I actually like that yep. one a lot. To protect my children. That's so like, sick. Do I need a reason to protect my kids? It's like, I, you know what, man? <laughs> yeah, I actually like, I like that so yeah, much. Yeah, that's for sure. How, you know, Adam ended up, like, going out when he's like still standing, <laughs> that was that was really cool yeah. too. Yeah, I like that a lot. Once I get it wrong, like he beat the crap out of Zeus without a doubt. He just pummeled that that old man, that creepy old man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People were really disappointed with this fight because I think in the anime they it almost looks like when they're like like trading blows that it's like a slideshow, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it is. I agree. Yeah. It was just disappointing because something that I love whenever something gets animated is the fact that I want to hear the music that they decide to play, right? The original soundtrack, this whole leitmotifs they want to pick because I, I freaking love how manipulative music can be sometimes for your emotions. And I just want to feel that. And like, you can't get that out mm-hmm. of manga, but you can get that from good music composition. And that carries a show sometimes heavily. 
Mm-hmm. But you know, it's whatever. I I might watch it. That's that's one of the that's one of the things that I actually miss the most. And like, I really wish the show the manga was like really well because like it had so much potential. Like in animation, like you said, music, but also like a small attention to detail of like the fights and then the voices. I think would have this manga would have actually been been a better adaptation anime if it wasn't Netflix. I was. <laughs> studio if this was given to mappa or like fucking shaft can you like just imagine how much like how insane it would be like oh my god i would i would love it i really wish it was i'm really sad netflix not. hasn't been doing very good with their anime quote-unquote originals they have it's not like, they have what not. are they doing they have not and um ah wait hold on it's uh i think well it's like real anime originals like animes Sometimes they like say they're Netflix originals, but honestly, they're like made from studios in Japan, and they just say we want that. What this is different. Record Ragnar one hundred percent started in Netflix, like whatever you know, headquarters. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Oh yeah, which is not good. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's the best way to put it. I mean, covering those three fights, and then you have the Poseidon fight too, which I think you want to talk about a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Poseidon fight. Um. So, like I mentioned, like, you know, because you were able to figure out who was going to win, like, fight Numero Dos, right? Um, but Numero mm-hmm. Tres, I think it was, like, easy to tell who was going to win because, like, Sasaki Jiro is known as history's greatest loser. I mean, the story that he's only a part of, he loses. To who mm-hmm. some people might argue, right? If you're, like, a really swordsman buff, you're, like, the names that popped up in the Sasaki Kojiro fight... Are, are names that people always bring up are like this, this is the greatest of all time the greatest swordsman of all time in particular Masashi Kimishimoto you know the guy from Vagabond he's also mm-hmm. in like Baki I remember reading him being resurrected in Baki really weird stuff but like the guy is mm-hmm. a greater like than life character in like in like Japanese history and like it makes sense you know these people are from Japan so like they put a lot of love into this one um another thing that we haven't mentioned is like the responses of the people on this on the stands like we should probably go back and address that. I I like I like them. I like I like people that they show. Like you know, people from their from their history, like how they respond. Like Kane, for example, and the and Adam versus Zeus fight. Like that guy is known as the first killer. And um, mm-hmm. the scene that fucking hurt in his eyes for his old man was something else. Like you can actually like, well, man, look at that. It's my it's my parent figure out there doing the best. I don't know. What do you think about the um people on the stands and how like they help the story in a way or like you know i think they help like guide the story right i think you see that i mean you see that more in later fights i feel more than earlier fights to be honest but um i feel like they help kind of push towards a greater goal you see this with hercules you see this with shiva where you see like these characters actually make an impact on the fight itself in the first two fights i feel like that wasn't as clear mm-hmm. like it was there but it wasn't as there so it's kind of cool. I, I I enjoy them. I I think they add to the story and the and the overall like kind of pace of like the character narration. Yeah, I agree. I think they're good. I mean, it's just good to mention. Of course, you have Brynhild, who always has those crazy expressions going for her lover, one of my favorite characters. Anyway, um, so like the epithets that are given to the two fighters, right, Poseidon and Sasaki Kojiro, is like the god that knows not of defeat and the swordsman that knows not of victory, right? The fact that if Kojiro would have continued to lose, he would have only been known as a loser, and that just doesn't sit right with me as a reader. Like that's not exciting, you know? 
Um, so that's one of the reasons why I was like, this is he's gonna win without a doubt. And like you know, that it's, it's also elevated by the fact that the last line that Kojiro says in that fight versus Poseidon is like, you know what, winning isn't too bad sometimes. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, you know, you're out to something, man. I actually like that a lot. I like that line a lot, where he was like, I, like, he was kind of a student of his craft. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's internal student. I uh, I really like the his entrance where he was like, oh, like, shouldn't you be shouldn't you be reincarnated in your prime? And he was like, this is my prime when I'm still learning because I'm a student. Like, he's effectively a student of the of his craft. Like, that's so yep. cool. And, like, as someone who, like, is reading, like, actively reading philosophy and, like, trying to understand this stuff, like, I feel like I'm always going to be, like, for the rest of my life until I die. Like, I will be a student of the, of the world of education. I think it's so cool, right? Like, I will always fundamentally be a student. But I resonated with that a lot. Yeah, he has the learner's mentality that, like, is really needed for just people to enjoy life in general. And I feel that the authors wanted to make a, you know, wanted to say, hey, this is something great about humanity. Like, we accept that we don't know everything, but we accept that we don't know what we, you know, we don't know what we're capable of. So the best thing to do is to try. Right? And mm-hmm. he's aware. I think another another really good line is that he gave to like his first master, right? Uh, when they were giving his flashback, he, he lost instantly. It was like, why did you quit right then and there? I think the guy he was fighting was like a samurai mm-hmm. would like if he loses his sword, use his arms, he loses his arm, use his teeth or something like that. And then Kojita responds with, "If I do that, the prospects of my future would come would become nothing. I would have no possibility or no mm-hmm. future where I could like, you know, better myself. So you know, he takes care of himself. He knows when he's lost. He knows when like when it's not like he lost to the guy, but that doesn't mean he have to he has to die there. He can just come back another day and like you know challenge. And, like that's the whole you know the whole fact of his story is that he continues to grow as a person and a good. And I think it was really smart that they chose." The way to explain why he isn't really well known or spoken about, like, whenever people have these conversations or debates about who's the greatest swordsman of all time, is because he chose to just not be in the light. He chose to learn for himself, not for others. So, I mean, he's mm-hmm. a cool guy. Cool character, indeed, without a doubt. He's a cool character. Yeah. I think he's my second or third favorite character. Yeah, I mean, he lives, too, so he gets, you get to see a bit more of him later on. Uh, yeah, you do. Um... I don't want to spoil it, but you will. You will. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm caught up, so I'm like familiar with the cool stuff he is. Um, give me a sec. I, I wrote some stuff about this. Interesting guy learning. Oh, yeah. I This is like one of the folks. If you're interested in him, read Vagabond. Why not? Mention that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I found the... I wrote the quote here in my little notes. It's like, hence, if I were to injure myself fighting now, then I would damage my future prospects. That's when he says, he, even if you were fight the guy 100 times, he would not win. Mm-hmm. Mm, only in, you know this is a I also mentioned something about like how only in after death do people acknowledge someone the fact that people think of others only after death for example his story was written 150 years later I say his story even though he probably didn't exist I think Poseidon in general was an interesting choice I mean it's Poseidon we know about that guy he's not too interesting but the fact that he's like an undefeated god was oh man I love the last thing that he said Poseidon when he was dying. <laughs> the last thing was, oh, do you remember? Uh, it was something about disrespect. It was well, it wasn't like an insane, like deep quote. It was like you fucking piece of shit. That's <laughs> what he says. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He was, he was, because he was mad. Humanity beat yep. him. Because he was the. It's funny. It's funny that the per, like the the individual, 
or the god who hated like humanity, arguably the most out of the gods we've seen so far, <laughs> was the one that died first. <laughs> it's just it's a uh, slightly yeah, amazing. There's a lot of um, symbolism behind it. Uh, it's you know it goes back to the whole like who do you want to pit and like well how do you want to characterize them? I I love I love that I love how he yeah. said that to him. It's just I found it so funny. <laughs> It's like wow, okay. Because mm-hmm. like even at the end, he's like true to himself too, right? It's not it's not outside of his character to say that. It's not like oh, he's like feeling pity for himself. He's just like oh no, yeah. The first the first words I think that come out of his mouth is like I hate like I hate this this this. He's like fuck you, and I'm like whoa, yeah. dude, relax. The man just came with a vengeance. I know. I mean, something else that he actually said to him was like gods do not need any like supporters there's no need for scheming or nothing of the sort right gods are like perfect the way they are yeah and then like kojita responds with damn so that's how gods are that's just sad existence almost like hitting the guy yeah like, that's that's no fun nothing at all not for me no thank yeah. you yeah literally he's like oh wow you don't even know like what like homies are and he's like oh god yeah <laughs> yeah that's pretty yeah funny. that's besides so i guess that's like all three fights that we're covering the anime so that's enough for that Another character that... Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Oh. I mean, yeah. I feel like I think the later half are some of my favorites, obviously, because of Jack the Ripper and all that, but... Um, I think we can save that for if it gets animated. Uh, yeah, time. maybe. Or if, if there is ever a second season. Second season has been announced. Not by Netflix. By Netflix. But... <laughs> they have the rights to it. That's unfortunate, but, you know, hey, this media coming out twenty twenty. Two early 2022. Please get your volume one. Support the official release, because I am beginning my collection. I will, I will probably get it. In fact, like I um, I've been I've been reading a lot recently myself, and like I've been wanting to get like physical volumes. Um, so I'm trying to find the box set of a manga that I have not started reading yet. But I Which will, one? And it is impossible to find. Monster. Oh, it's impossible. And I want the box set. The box set is around four hundred dollars. So it's a little expensive, but uh, I'm trying to make it happen. So we'll see. Hey, Monsters from one of the arguably one the greatest like mangaka of all time. So oh, of course, I want to. I'd, I'd love to start my collection yeah. that way, but we're gonna. Yeah. see. I like yeah. the idea of like having a collection because like I I plan on having kids one day, and like I'm gonna have like a cute little room or like a kid and like if they were find their way into that room, they're like, what is this? And they just pick up a random book. It's like, oh, I don't know. I, that's like that's like that's that, that's like cool things I wish. I could like experience like learning of my parents like hobbies and what they enjoy from like the things that they've collected from the before I even existed. I mean, it's also just fun. <laughs> it's also just fun. But like, I don't know, that's like something I think about sometimes. But yeah, I guess that's it for the Record of Ragnarok episode where we'll be covering. Uh, I do want to mention, I like the Buddha. Buddha's cool. He has a lot of drip. <laughs> yeah. That's what I doubt. That dude has just so much drip. All right, that's it for me. I have nothing else to mention. I. What about you, Kyo? Probably have any more discussion. I mean, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I'd recommend it. I think it's something I would recommend, as we usually do. I will say though that if you have to go into this with a different kind of mindset, I think you can't be expecting a plot or anything to be like there. Um, just go in and. Fun. Just like this, this is a manga that I really do think that embodies the idea of just go in and have fun. You don't need to do more than that. So. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I think that was the episode. We went 
pretty deep into this, so I don't think we'll like do a recap of what we're actually like watching or whatnot. But expect some stuff from the recent season, most likely, and some other things. And Akio is probably gonna get me to watch, read, or whatever things that he really likes. But definitely something from this yeah. season. Should we do Shadow House next? Like for the for you know for the um. I would actually love to do Shadow House. I really okay. like it. It's probably my favorite. I love I love Fumetsu. Don't get me wrong. I like all these shows. That this this season was all like a bunch of sleepers, but Shadow's House was probably my favorite. The one I enjoyed the most. I'll be watching so. the twelve episode aired or what? Uh, recently, yeah, this last Saturday. It's pretty Decent good. Finish for the season. Um, I liked it. I, it has it has a lot more to kind of like think about, but uh... also wait. Before we before we before we stop, I think there's definitely gonna be a second season for Shadow House without a doubt. There's so much that's still left, and it's really good. But before we wrap up, I was just telling Francisco this: an anime I'm so 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 excited for uh, this summer is uh, something called Sunny Boy, and um, I mentioned this to Francisco actually two days ago, and he looked into it and he was like, "Oh, this looks pretty good." It's in studio original by Mappa. Madhouse. Madhouse. Um, the trailer came out, or Madhouse. Um, the studio came. Uh, the trailer came out for it, and they actually early released the first episode like a few weeks ago. I unfortunately did not watch it, but um, it seems like pretty good, and the art is so unique. And like, I do want to emphasize that I am beyond excited for this. I don't know why, but like, the plot looks really interesting. The art is really interesting, and I think this anime has a lot of potential. So I just wanted to shout it out, and you know who knows? Maybe we'll talk about it in the future. I I'm very excited for it personally. I'm very hyped. It's it's I think the anime I'm looking at the most forward to for summer season this year. So All right. excited! Cool. All right, that was it for us. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.